It's fucked up when your mind's playing tricks on you. Man, I don't know why you're calling. You might as well just text me. I'm about to record this new episode of the Miseducation of the People. September is National Suicide Prevention Month. And of course, we got to end up strong. A lot of people don't understand how individuals can get to that point. So today, I'm going to share my story of when I was struggling with the thoughts of suicide. It's definitely a powerful story, and we underestimate the power of our minds. So with that said, let's go. Beats by Pete Samples. Miseducation. Miseducation. For 30 years of my life, I have been afraid of heights. However, that changed in one of my darkest nights. I remember crying on that couch with a plan to end it all. I was tired of being lied to, out of hope and optimism, exhausted from attempting to pour from a cup that was rusted through, and begging God for a sign that brighter days were ahead. She responded, yes, there are brighter days ahead, but first you must take flight. The sky is not the limit, it is just a view. You are meant to soar and make an impact on the world. Your fiery passion has the power to warm the coldest hearts. Your wings gracefully flow in a humble way that inspires hope in the most pessimistic of individuals. You were born with a calling that you will soon fulfill. You are a phoenix, but over the years you forgot. So I had to put you through this journey to remind you. You are dead inside now, but consider this your rebirth. Take flight, my phoenix, because now you are ready for what I have been preparing you for. Rebirth of the phoenix. Welcome to another episode of the Miseducation of the People. New Miseducation! Taryn Morgan. Uh, that was a poem that I wrote for the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI, uh, New Jersey Poetry Contest in 2019, and I won uh, second place for it, you know, so um, only felt that it was appropriate with today's topic. But before we get into that, you know, shout outs. Um, shout out to my future wifey, Rihanna. Now, I mean, I said the name correctly because y'all don't be playing respect on the name. Now, I mean, respect my bae, all right? So she had dropped the men's Fenty line. And you know, I got to get a pair for my future wifey, you know what I mean? I'm celibate right now, but I'm practicing my... Damn, girl. I normally don't do this, but you different. Different. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Got to get ready. Got to get right. And uh, shout out to all my people who are suffering in silence. Uh, today's episode is going to be heavy. Um, not exactly heavy, heavy. I'm not going really into depth about my story, but I'm talking about a period in my life where I was struggling with the thought of suicide. Um, so I want to definitely put that trigger warning out there. Um, so if you're not in the proper mind state, I urge you to please skip this episode and we will have more um, next week for you. Before we get into that, you know, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube at the Real Talk Session Series. And let us know your thoughts, you know, um, like some stuff, share it, subscribe. You know, this week we released our first video of our Melanated Mental Health Moment Quarantine Edition, so volume two. Uh, this one, we're doing some self-care tips for people who are going through the quarantine, which is all of us, really. Um, since the beginning of the pandemic, we have seen an increase in citizens developing mental health conditions all across the country. And it's only gonna get worse as we go into these winter months. Um, so with this, uh, we have teamed up with NAMI New Jersey's Act Now program and a Beautiful Mind Foundation Shout out to Adrienne Augustus. She's going to be on next week's episode, actually. And we are providing free tactics to help those who are struggling with their mental health or not even in general, because it's very important for us to do preventative maintenance before we go down that darker moment in our lives. Definitely. So, you know, just trying to help people out, giving them different tools and resources to help be their optimum selves mentally. 
Uh, please make sure you're sharing the Miseducation of the People podcast. That is the only way that we grow. And I mean, if you see me posting on the Real Talk Session Series page or Lynn, just retweet it, repost it. Um, you know, it helps out big time because, you know, we're growing. We are a grassroots effort and we're really trying to make change out here compared to what these bigger uh, platforms are doing and whatnot. You know, we're not doing a performative shit. We're doing some real shit that can be actually implemented. So, you know, share the podcast, rate, review, subscribe. It sounds annoying. It sounds like it doesn't do anything, but it actually does. These algorithms depends on your engagement. So, you know, help a brother out. Get us out here, you know, get that merch. All of your proceeds from your investment from get that merch. All proceeds from your investment goes towards our efforts to bring easily accessible educational resources to black communities. Um, This podcast, it does take time and effort and we do video stuff. We travel. So, you know, it helps us out with those expenses. And if I'm able to bring more people in, that means more content. And with more content, that's more ways for me to help out to make a positive impact to black communities. So, you know, just support, you know, help out a little bit, you know. Um, and lastly, you know, if merch is your thing and if you're in the spirit to give, then please, we do accept donations. Please visit realtalksessionseries.org. So September is Suicide Prevention Month and it holds a special place in my heart. I have a few high school classmates, including a friend of mine that passed by suicide. Uh, there was also a moment in my life where I experienced uh, suicidal ideation. So thinking about suicide. Um, I no longer am in that mindset, but I use my story to help those get through their darkness. And it is therapeutic for me to get all of this shit out, like speaking through it, processing it, all that, you know, because you cannot avoid your feelings or shit that you have been through before, you know. And additionally, um, I share my story to educate others who have not experienced thoughts of suicide because many people think of individuals that choose this route as cowardly or selfish acts, which is extremely incorrect. People are trying to find a means to end their pain because it is that intense. With mental illness, you never have a true understanding of the severity of what others are going through because it's not a physical injury. You know, if you have a broken bone, you can see it in the skin, even without a cast. Or if you're in the healing process, you have a cast on, you have a sling, you have crutches, etc but it's an invisible illness and a lot of people don't really believe people which is sad suicide is the end result of not addressing mental illness so think of it as cancer right so with cancer there are stages from zero to four with four being the most severe form of the disease that requires immediate expert uh, assistance suicide will be stage four you know it's just a matter of A whole bunch of mental health conditions that have compiled up have not been treated. Uh, The individual may have been in denial and it may have gotten so bad, snowballed so much that it got to stage four. And the only way they can think of is to suicide, you know. Uh, So real quick, I'm going to go ahead and let you. Well, not real quick, actually, because I want to definitely give it justice and tell my story so that people can get a clear understanding of how I got through it. And hopefully I'll be able to help others who are going through something similar too. So like many people, um, I come from a family, a community, a school system where mental health was not a thing. Um, I'm going to be speaking more, not in general. I'm speaking about my experiences because I don't want to generalize at all. So when I'm speaking about everything here, it's about me. Um, We didn't talk about 
mental health or even knew it existed. So uh, my family is extremely hardworking. So we always kept them moving and we were about getting that money. And that was what we knew because we didn't know what we didn't know. And what we knew was that we worked and we do it extremely well. And because of that, no one will outwork me. But I had to learn at my big age of 30, you know what I mean? The proper way of dealing with feelings and emotions and expressing emotions in a positive manner, you know? It's no one's fault at all because there's no manual in life. So, you know, I don't fault anybody, you know? Like, when I was going through my initial stuff with depression, of course that anger and rage was there, but it's no one's fault. I'm looking at myself now, I'm a hot fucking mess at 33. And like, I can only imagine what my parents were going through at the time, you know? They didn't have the internet or other resources that they can go to. They didn't have podcasts that talked about, you know, developing and growing as an individual, especially as a man, you know, so really had to learn on my own. And uh, for me, I come from a very large family. And when I talk about large, um, we have family reunions every single year of about 300 plus people. So we, we talk in large, large. But one of the un unfortunate things about that is that I've dealt with a lot of people passing in my life. You know, it's just a natural thing that happens, you know. And for me, uh, my story really starts at my childhood when it comes to everything with me, my mental health conditions. So um, I had a aunt that I was extremely close with. Um, I used to be baby babysat by her all the time. And when I was coming home from school, uh, you know, we used to watch The Simpsons, eat graham crackers, just chill, whatever. Like that was my homie, homie. But um, she passed when I was like in first or second grade. And, you know, um, as a child, we only learn what we're told or what we observe, you know. So at that time, I had no concept of what death was. So I'm like, OK, where's my aunt at? You know, um, but, you know, like I said, there's no fault to anyone. There's no manual in life. So it's whatever. Um, she's still with me in spirit uh, as a child. A majority of our time is spent in school and in school, it's a very different dynamic. You know, when you're crying or showing emotions, that makes you a target and quote unquote soft, you know, and literally anything in general can get you picked on in school. So just to give you clarity of my background. I mean, because I wasn't always this uh, debonair and distinguished and suave individual. As you can see right here, the body god was not in effect. You know what I mean, <laughs> this is even prior to me being in college with the fucked up hairline and six waves on the left hand side. You know what I mean, but so back in the day, I was the chubby kid with glasses, braces and acne. Um, even had a period in my life where, you know, I didn't know how to properly wash, but you know, I got through that and you know, that's why I'd be smelling so good. Cause I'd be making sure I don't smell. That was when I was young though. Now, I mean, I'm good. Uh, I was in the band since fourth grade. I played sports. Uh, I got along with everybody, but I never truly felt like I belonged in one particular group. Always felt like a little bit different. Now, I mean, um, I preferred to be alone to limit my chances of getting picked on. And my defense was kind of like, building a mental dam for my emotions, just absorbing it all and not letting it out. Because again, if you express those feelings or you cry, whatever, you know, that can make you a target. So I had adopted that, you know, um, and even just going back with, uh, stuff with my grandmother, not, not my grandmother, I'm sorry, my aunt. Um, I wasn't really taught how to grieve, you know, when I, when I saw that she was gone, I just saw that I was keeping it moving with the stone face, you know, like it was never explained to me. So 
that was something that I really kept in a part of that dam. So, you know, the grieving emotions, even though I didn't know how to properly grieve, it was still behind that dam. So uh, there would be many times where as a child, I'd be in the basement just crying um, and poking my legs with the pen, which I can look back now and say it was depression. Um, never actually self-harmed or whatnot, but I lacked confidence and I had extremely low self-esteem. Um, and for me, it was more so like I never thought I could talk to anybody about it. I'm like, this is me. You know, I got to protect myself. I got to stay within you know, so these are things that I adopted um, early as strategies. So fast forward to college, right? College, I was like, hey, wow, the fuck out. <laughs> so um, and not even laughing like to, you know, just because it's funny. It's like my life is crazy. Like I could have a movie about the stories that I have and experiences. And I mean, like I have a lot of different experiences that many people have not have the privilege or even like the opportunity to have. So, you know, I'm grateful and blessed for it. But um, college, I was a hot fucking mess, right? So, um, I was still holding in my emotions, all that stuff, not really expressing what was going on with me, but I discovered the vices of women and liquor to suppress what I was feeling and all the turmoil that was going on in my mind. And mind you, right? I was a late bloomer. So, uh, so the summer before college, I lost my virginity to a condom cause I ain't making it in that thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that shit was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but trust me, um, I made up for it in college, for real. Um, I was fucking because it made me feel good, and I was drinking because it was making me forget about my problems and all the stuff, and it was making me feel good to a certain point, but, you know, when you do too much, then that's when it becomes bad. Um, college was also the first time that I got introduced to mental health education um, as a resident assistant, an RA. Um, and with that, I was able to recognize the signs in others who are experiencing mental health conditions, how to assist them. But at the same time, I still had that invincibility mentality of, oh, that'll never happen to me ever. Because all these years, you know, I've never heard of it. So I never heard of mental health. It was some white shit to me. You know what I mean? But little did I know that I was seeing it all the time in the hood with these people that we labeled as quote unquote crazy walking down the streets, talking to themselves or acting erratically, you know? So it was still there, but we just weren't informed about mental health and what it looked like. So fast forward to November, 2017. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I shed the vices of using liquor and woman to suppress my emotions and all that stuff, but it was more so a lot of work stuff that, um, kind of unlocked Pandora's box, right? So it was a time at work where it was extremely stressful. Um, streets is watching, so I can't go too, too much detail. I may read in between the lines, but it was real. So November, 2017, uh, there was a day where I came home from work and I wasn't feeling well. And I was telling my then fiance about the day and I started crying. And, you know, that was alarming to me because um, I hadn't cried maybe for five years prior to that. Um, I was still dealing with the grieving of my, uh, grandma. And then also I was dealing with, uh, an ex, you know, just that, that first big relationship that, you know, as a man, I didn't know how to deal with that. I know how to grieve it. So, uh, that's, that was like five years prior to that. So when November, 2017 hit, I'm like, maybe this is that just one of those days that people talk about were stressed. So I didn't really take it too much. I'm like, I just let it fall off. Um, a month later, November 
no, I'm sorry, a month later, December 2017, the same exact thing happened again. So at that point, I'm like, let me stop playing. This is like a little red flag. So I'm like, I started actually browsing for a mental health professional. Um, however, I didn't really take it seriously. Um, so over the next course, so over the course of the next months, um, I can say this is probably the most I've ever cried um, in my whole entire life that I can remember. Um, my mental health started to deteriorate even more. I would be crying randomly over the smallest shit. Um, I would have mood swings, extremely irritable. And the straw that broke the camel's back was in May 2018. I had left work early and I wasn't feeling good. Like I was, I don't know what was going on. And when I got home to talk to my then fiance again, as soon as I went to hug her, I became paralyzed. And it was like an electrical surge going through my brain and literally Everything I locked away, the embarrassing moments, the childhood trauma came back in that moment. And I can say, like, it's kind of like this was the key that unlocked Pandora's box, the stress from the job. During that moment, I had a hard time with speaking. I couldn't articulate my thoughts and I was just crying uncontrollably. So I'm like, they always talk about how we only use 10 percent of our brain. So I'm like, are am I unlocking a new part? So that that had me scared as fuck. So um, I had called a, a mental health professional that I found and was able to schedule an appointment. However, with the system, you're not going to get into an appointment in a timely manner. Um, they told me a month. So I thought, OK, I'm good. I got this. You know, I've dealt with a lot of shit, but little did I know I didn't have it. The very next day, the same thing happened again, but even worse. So I really got scared because I'm like, I don't have control of what is going on with my mind. And I called him like, listen, I need to get into an appointment ASAP. And luckily I was able to get in. And that's when I found out that I had depression and anxiety. And, you know, it was caused by the job, but also too, um, it was caused by, you know, me feeling that I was doing everything right that society was telling me, you know, I was always preached about going to college. And this is the way that you get the set job, the security and all that stuff. You work hard. You don't brag. You're humble. You let your work speak for you. But little did I know that these white people, people weren't doing that. That that's <laughs> like that formula didn't work. So like I wasn't having any success. And at this point, it was like the amount of stuff I was doing, I did for people. It was like no one saw me. And that really was is what got me discouraged. So between the job stuff and then also me just not finding a job. Those were two things that really got me to this point. So after I found out about my diagnosis of depression and anxiety, I started having some other issues too um, that started to rise. So um, I used to feel paranoid a lot. Like literally, um, I can be in the room with people who know who's there. I could turn my back for a second. Someone taps me and like it's like my whole soul jumps out of my body which was, yeah, it, it was like a always being on eggshells and, you know, just looking around and all that stuff. And then um, there was another point where I was driving and I was following all the, the laws, the speed limits and all that stuff. And a cop got behind me with the lights on. And like, I instantly started having a panic attack because I'm thinking about like, yo, I am a black man. We're getting killed out here for fun by these police. So is this going to be my time? Luckily, the cop car wasn't for me. So I had when I pulled over, I gained my composure and like I literally was over there like I cannot breathe. 
and it was that bad. So there was that paranoia piece right there that I was experiencing. Another symptom that I started to have was rage. So I'm a very happy-go-lucky. People know me. Um, I always got a smile on my face. Always cracking jokes, you know. But during this time frame, the smallest stuff was setting me off, right? And just to give you an example of one of those scenarios, right? So we had assigned parking um, where I was at. And someone parked in my spot one day. And literally, I saw red like a flash. My body started to get warm. And I felt like the Incredible Hulk, like just anger. I yelled. I wanted to smash my car window. But luckily, I realized that it was the chemical imbalance, right? And I was able to calm myself down. So that was one incident of rage. And then another one where I knew that if I don't get this shit worked out, then if I do this in public, I'm a big black bald man that's six foot one, 220. I'm an easy ass target out here and I got a beard. So this incident happened with a gentleman that I used to work with, a below average white man that will wear ill-fitted suits and try to pass off some trash ass boots as dress shoes, right? So a typical Napoleon complex type guy. So he asked me to do a task that was physically impossible at the time due to, you know, not having enough hands. And I went off on him, like in a professional manner. I didn't curse at all, but with me, I know how to use my words. Y'all can, y'all know I know how to use my words. Like y'all listen to this podcast, right? Cursed him the fuck out. And he turned red as hell and walked away. And that's something where I was like, yo, Taryn, you need to get some real, real, real help. At the time, I was going to therapy. Um, I was doing talk therapy, right? And I was kind of apprehensive about medication just because, you know, the point of being uninformed about everything, um, you know, like this mental health shit was new to me. So I looked at pills as a negative thing. And for me, I had to do my own research. Of course, always do that. Do not listen to anyone else. The only opinions that matter is yourself and your medical doctor. No one else at all, because... I had individuals in my family telling me that I didn't need therapy. Um, I had friends that tell me I didn't need therapy, just people in general, people saying that I don't need uh, to take medication. But if they're not living in your mind and dealing with what you're going through, they have no fucking say on what you do to feel good and to feel healthy. As long as it's something positive that you're doing to make yourself feel good. I want to make that very clear. If you're resorting to liquor, drugs or other things, then, you know, Clearly, they're trying to have an intervention and let you know, you know, it's a different way to go about it. Right. So this was when um, I asked my psychiatrist for assistance because I got scared about the fact that I was experiencing rage. And like I said, as a black man in America, I'm a target. So that is when I was prescribed Xanax. Um so I didn't really understand how it worked. It really wasn't described to me how to work it. Um, that psychiatrist was really trash in hindsight. Now that I think of it, um, I can't really talk about everything. Cause like I said, streets is watching, but, um, yeah, Xanax is a drug that is extremely addictive and is easily accessible too. um, they prescribe it easily. And then also, the price, even if you don't have insurance, that shit was $8. There was a point where um, I had lost uh, my job and I didn't have insurance. 
So my everyday medication that I needed was Lexapro um, that helped balance me out. Um, and by the way, too, I don't know if I describe what medication does because I want to make sure that I'm very clear about it. So with medication, it acts like the counterbalances on like the old school scales when you go to the doctor's office, right? So mental health conditions are a chemical imbalance. So medication acts as those counterbalances to balance out your emotions and whatnot. So that's what it was, right? So for me, um, to help out with everything I was going through, I was prescribed Lexapro and Xanax. Uh, Lexapro was an everyday thing that you take and all that good stuff, right? Um, But when I lost my insurance, that shit was fucking $150 for something that's not addictive as Xanax and something that's needed for every single day. Xanax is, you take that as needed. And that shit costs $8 and it's addictive as hell. So that's my issue I had too, but that's a little tangent, right? So I actually started experimenting with Xanax. Um, I was popping them shits like Skittles. Uh, I didn't want to feel anything at all. And to be honest, it felt good to let go and not let the stress of the world affect me. Um, And because of that, I can truly empathize and sympathize with our brothers and sisters and individuals who are addicted to drugs. I generally understand what they're going through and those people need the most love and support. But of course you cannot help a person unless they are mentally or and or spiritually ready to make that change. And of course I say spiritually because for me that came into my story. And I can say that I'm fortunate enough that I never got hooked and I truly believe it's due to my ancestors and God. I needed to gain that experience and able to truly relate to people and help them out in ways that I couldn't do before. So um, with Xanax, it really took me down a dark path. So at first it had me feeling good, but then it started turning my thoughts more dark, right? So um, I actually had a whole plan on how I was going to end my life. Um, but I was just waiting for the right moment. Um, I honestly felt hopeless. And the night that I was ready to do it, I was on that couch crying and begging for a sign that brighter days were ahead. Like this, the poem said in the beginning, and even now, like it's still like kind of getting emotional now, you know, but I'm gonna get through the shit. Uh, like my le- life legit depended upon me receiving a sign that brighter days were coming to me. And in that that moment, I got that sign, right? So when you're depressed, you don't give a fuck. (laughs) Like my apartment was a hot fucking mess. Uh, In between my crying, I was able to calm down a bit and eat. And at this time, like I had no desire to cook at all. So I was constantly eating out, wasting money, spending money like water. And, you know, when black folk get food, you know, they take a shit ton of napkins for no reason. So I had nothing but napkins all around. I mean, um, and especially on my couch, because like I said, I wasn't cleaning. So I was fucking this food up. I don't know. Like, think about me. I'm going to find some food and I'm going to fuck that shit up. (laughs) It's going to be good. So when I was eating, I had reached back for a napkin. But instead of a napkin, it was a picture of my then fiance, which on everything I love, when I sat there, that picture was not there. I was there by myself. So I don't know how that picture got there. And as soon as I got that picture and looked at it, I immediately felt a release in my body and a feeling of ease. 
And I knew that that it was a sign that I asked for, you know, and just for clarity, this was a time frame where I was extremely mad at God. Um, like I said, I did everything that right that society told me to do and, and in most people's minds. And I wasn't excelling. I was stagnant. I wasn't making any moves, you know, but getting in touch with my spirituality honestly got me through this period. Um, so for me, I don't really talk about everything I go through. I'm a very um, private person. But over the years, I've dealt with a lot of death and I never knew how to properly grieve, right? So I spoke about my aunt who passed when I was a child. But for me, I actually witnessed my grandmother dead on the ground being resuscitated, right? Um, and for me, I had, for many years, I never had the strength to go into that house. So when I'm talking about my grandfather on these past couple of shows, you know, that's, that was his wife. So it took me a while to really get over it. And like, she was there dead on the ground. Like my aunt called me, I was just got off from work. Right. And, um, she was like, Hey, Taryn, go by the house because there's a lot of ambulances outside. Right. So I got there and I saw them. She was there on the ground, you know, and there was another, uh, transition in my life. My frat brother, Mikey, uh, good brother. He had brought me into the fraternity. He was like actually one of the brothers I looked up to. Um, I was invited to his engagement party with him and his fiance. And, uh, before I left, I had bought him a Henny and Coke. And I woke up a few hours later to the news that, um, his, him and his wife was murdered. Um, just after that party, you know, so it took me years to really deal with all this shit and I'm still dealing with it too. You know what I mean? Um, and around this time I had got introduced to, uh, it's Juju Bay podcast. Shout out to you, Juju. Um, and the first thing that I heard was her talking about talking to your ancestors and it felt like she was talking directly to me. Um, I always will salute to her and, um, give her unlimited props because I can, I can't really confidently say that, I would be talking to you all today if I wasn't taught to how to tap into my people from her knowledge. So, you know, but um, even after that, you know, really learning about my ancestors, it made me realize that I was always protected by them, you know, because I told y'all I had too many stories, too many incidents. And I mean, I don't got no kids. I never called nothing. And I mean, um, but there were many incidents where it could have turned out very badly but I walked out unfazed, right? So there was periods in my life when I was living in Baltimore, um, I had horrible money management skills. Um, I had debt out the ass. I was spending money like crazy, but somehow, some way, if I needed money, I always got it. You know, I don't know. There were times where I could have been in car accidents. I've never had a car accident ever in my life, knock on wood. And there was times where I should have definitely gotten into an accident. It wasn't my fault at all, but boom, I was protected. There was a time when, you know, I was out in these streets a little bit <laughs> over there in South Orange, you know what I mean? By the gas station, right? When it gets from nice to like hood hood, there was periods where, you know, I was coming from seeing one of my joints back in the day when I was single. Um, just like back in the day, like college, college. And it was like three, four o'clock in the morning. 
and um, I had my mom's car. <laughs> I ain't really speak about this in public before, so if you listen to mom, my fault. You good though? <laughs> that car going now, but uh, anyway, but um, I was riding down down the street. It was a red light, and luckily there was no car in front of me. But um, I had noticed dude was at the bus stop, and the bus stop was right near me, right? So I had saw him walk back like he was going down the street. But little did I know, my man tried to sneak up on the side, on the passenger side, and I saw him in the mirror, and I saw him put his hand in his pocket like he about to go grab that thing. So as soon as I saw that shit, I sped the fuck off. And I'm like, I was protected. I used to be in the hood solo. Like, I used to be, like I said, always like like to be in my own, right? So when I moved to Baltimore, I used to be like in the hood spots by myself, just chilling. Like I ain't there to cause no trouble. So I never had no issues. You know what I mean? Like I used to be in college. Um, I was a road trip king. You know what I mean? Um, East Coast legend on the low. <laughs> but I used to be in Philly over there by Temple. Um, just drive down there by my people. You know, I always been the type like, I don't need to wait for nobody at all. Um, people hold me back. They slow me down. So, you know, I used to be out there in the hood, just chilling with my people. You know, of course, I was big with the ladies, you know. So I was out there, but Baltimore and Philly in these streets by myself, nothing ever happened. You know what I mean? Um, there was an incident in Cuba. So there was a big ass trip we did. In, uh, I think that was like 2008 or 2017 um, to Cuba with a whole bunch of friends and my then fiance, right? So there was this incident in the club. It was a it was a very great night. Like it was a legendary night. <laughs> it could have been that good of a night, right? But um we had got to the club and um we had split money for these bottles and one of my boys brought this random joint <laughs> to the trip, right? Which is a violation, but that's my man, so you know, I can't really, but it's a violation, man. You you don't bring a random to a trip, right? So, old girl, she stole money from the table. We in Cuba. We don't know nobody. So, when I saw the bullshit starting to happen, something told me to grab my then fiance. Yeah, like, yo, let's go downstairs. I got a feeling some shit's going to happen, right? Moments later, they got walked outside by the staff. And I just hear them arguing all that shit, right? So, those are my people. So, of course, I'm going to leave. We're in a foreign country. So went outside, um, they weren't following us then, but we got maybe two blocks down and we got surrounded by the staff in Cuba in dark. And I don't know if y'all understand, but like Cuba does not have street lights like that. So it was pitch fucking black. So we got surrounded and they were like, yo, y'all have to pay. So we had to come out of our pockets for more money. That was supposed to be uh, cab money. So. We ended up having to walk home at three o'clock in the fucking morning in Cuba in the dark. And we were probably about maybe um, eight blocks away from where we lived at. So we were also starving, too. So with Cuba, there is no fast food spots that are open 24 seven or something easy you can have delivered. Like it's literally like rations of food. So we had enough money for the night remaining after paying for the club for either a cab or for some food. So we chose the food option because we gonna eat and <laughs> we was drunk. So we walked eight blocks at night by ourselves. And I had the key in my hand just in case I had to stab somebody in the eye, you know what I mean? Like it was real, real, but 
we walked at that thing, we were protected. We ain't had no issues. So like the knowledge that I received about, you know, tapping to the ancestors that really helped me out to accelerate my growth and healing. And it made me realize that they were always there with me, you know? And even with everything that's going on with me um, right now, um, healing isn't linear and there's going to be ups and downs, right? But I can confidently say, and I'm happy to say that I'm no longer having suicidal thoughts. Um, even months after when everything was going on, I still had the, uh, if it happens, it happens mindset. Like I wasn't actively thinking about taking my life. Um, it was more so like passive. It's like, oh, I get hit by a car. It's whatever. I'm not really upset. Like, fuck it. Like, I don't got shit going on yet. But it was the fact that, you know, I held on and it really got me there. Um, and even with the ancestor stuff, like, I don't look at death as a bad thing because I know that physically there's certain things that we can do. But with our ancestors, they're in a spiritual realm and there's certain things that they can do that they couldn't do for us in the physical, you know. They up there working with the angels, the spirits, they up there with God. So I'm like, I know I'm good. I know wherever I'm destined to go, I'll go and I'll go there when it is my time, you know. So I look at, you know, death as one big ass family union for me. Um, I know I'm be reconnecting with my people and, you know, just bringing my purpose from whatever I discovered here to that next form in order to advance others in the next level. Right. So for me, I look at this as. I went through this experience in order to be able to truly help others who are going through something in silence, right? So I want to do a little activity for y'all, right? So pick up your phones. I know y'all listen to the podcast on your phones and whatnot, but pick it up. It's not going to go off, right? Text yourself what you admire about yourself along with a positive message, right? And next time you are feeling down, look at it. And that's going to be something that's going to help you out, you know, because for me, I felt like I was the only one, you know, um, I look at this exercise kind of like, um, talking to your future self as a child, how we did in school, you know, with letters, but it's the same thing just with text. So, you know, just look at that, you know, and to anyone that is out there currently struggling, I will leave you with this hope, hold on pain ends. You are a Phoenix life burnt me the fuck out. It took me out. It tried to take my life, but, you know, I came from the ashes. I came back with a stronger light. I'm stronger than ever, and I'm just fired up. You know, I had to go through my pain in order to find my purpose. So I'm urging you all to just try to find the lesson, change your thinking from why is this happening to me to this is happening for me. See what that silver lining is, you know. I am proud of you for simply existing and you will get through this. But ultimately, it is on your shoulders and you got this and there's a limited amount of support that's out there for you. And please feel free to reach out if you need assistance with finding any mental health resources, because I know that it is hard. It can be intimidating. So if you need that support, please email Taryn at realtalksessionseries.org. That will also be in the show notes, too. I, I really want to thank y'all for allowing me to share that story. Um, I knew I was going to do it eventually. I didn't know when, um, but just the spirit really came over me to really share that story with you all. Um, I'm glad I got through it in full because it definitely was real. Like I was ready to let go some tears and shit. I might even do that after this because, yeah, it's, it's still very triggering for me, but it feels good to actually be able to talk about it and get it out and know that 
my story is inspiring since one. Thank you for tuning in to the Miseducation of the People podcast, proudly brought to you by the Real Talk Session Series, where all we do is provide that real talk only. All right, see you next week.